Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where today I'm joined by a gentleman called David Monkton and David is a a minister of faith and he's going to be talking to us today around times of transitions. So David, very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Okay, so an interesting title that you've chosen, David, Times of Transitions and I know before we, uh, when we was off here, just sort of batting one and two ideas, there's some interesting stuff that you've got to to share with us. So tell us, start by telling us a little bit uh, about why you chose that particular title, David. Well, for me, the last eight or nine years have been times of transition, I think, particularly. Uh, and um, it's also a time when you're finding a new role, if you're someone like myself. Um, I've been re- uh, retired 23 years nearly 23 years now as a Methodist minister and um, we don't have the responsibility of a church when we retire but we still have a responsibility to help where we can pastorally to the needs of people and also supply services when there's a preacher taken ill or or, or we just helped the the process along the way Mm. of maintaining worship and, and faith amongst people in the community, uh, 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 people in the community, you know, uh, keeping a sense of faith amongst them. And um, uh, I think that's the starting point where I I would begin. Uh, And um, alongside um, times of transition in that way, uh, there has been the loss of my wife just five and a half years ago, which has been a very big adjustment, as you can imagine. Um, And then... Um, uh, in the aging process of course I've had three lots of cancer <laughs> and uh, that's been a time of adjustment as well yeah. and there is the general atmosphere of change that we all have to go through as we get older we, we notice change more than we do when we're younger mm. Mm. definitely yes. yeah. yeah. And, and is it fair to say David as a generalisation struggle is the right word but let's use that word for the time being struggle to actually cope with that transition as we get older because when we're young our minds are are kind of less fearful we're more kind of confident and we just do things don't we intuitively we do that's right I mean I think one of the first things that I noticed was um, as I became older and and was continuing to take uh, worship I was always afraid I might fall. Now, that may sound a funny, funny thing, but people mm. as they get older do get nervous mm. about uh, uh, stance. And um, there's a verse of scripture that says, confirm the feeble knees. And I, for years I've always thought, what an odd phrase to use, but um, there's an Id- a point there that faith is saying that, well, um, feeble knees need, need, need support. And, and even in your walking, uh, faith is an important thing. Yeah. to be able to trust that you are able to walk and, and things of that nature. Does that make sense? It makes, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. I actually like that saying. Yeah, yes. it's, it's an interesting one. Um, yes. 
And obviously one of the things that we've spoke about as well, David, is loneliness. Yes. Tell us around your thoughts, ideas, experiences around this thing called loneliness. Yes. Um, needless to say, there are still patches where I still feel lonely at the loss of my wife because mm. we, we've been together 54 years nearly, and that's a long time. And we, yeah. we had a very... Um, complete marriage, can I put it that way? I mean, we, we had our differences of outlook, yeah. but but we were very much a, 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 a couple and a, a family and supportive, and uh, Pauline was a tremendous source of stability for me as well yeah. uh, in my ministry. So there was that loss. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as we get older, pe- people also tend to think that we can't do things. Mm. And sometimes you get cut out of society just because you are older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's a thing that needs to be watched. Um, now, in one way, I do see a tremendous number of people in the course of a week, maybe 40 or 50 people, e- easily that. But there are still moments when I feel very much on my own. Yeah. And, uh, and and uh, and I know that other people are in the same situation as well. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that even just to say hello to people is important. There's something yes. that's extremely important by just speaking to other people and uh, maybe asking how they are and they ask you how you are. And I've got a favourite phrase there. When they ask me how I am, I say, well, I'm, I'm nibbling along. <laughs> nibbling along. <laughs> nibbling along. The idea being that Every day seems to have some opportunities in it. Every day seems to have some problems in it. Uh, You you have some kind of weakness in yourself, maybe, that you're just noticing for the first time, but you keep on nibbling along and trying to understand it and and seeking help from other people, which is a very important thing as well. Because uh, one has to be proactive in faith as well. Uh, And um, in in, in so many ways, Paul, um, I've had a very satisfying... 20, 23 years of retirement where I felt very fulfilled. Although, obviously, there are moments when with health, with health, uh, I've um, just had to go slow for a time. Mm. And um, thankfully, uh, I value the support of friends and their prayers when I've had uh, surgery and things like that. I mean, I have been very fortunate, really, in that all three lots of cancer that I've had, I uh, uh, they caught things well in time. And um, so uh, I'm able to continue a, a stable life. Does, does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, so I want to go on in a moment to the dementia care work um, that you do, David. One of the things that I've been trying to do, Paul, is to relate to people with dementia. And um, there are several homes around here, and I'm particularly involved in three of them. And it, it all began about 15 years ago when uh, I was asked to take communion service in one of the care homes. I must admit that I haven't been able to do that quite so often lately because of various difficulties um, in making arrangements. But my visits to the care homes have continued and they've been a very fruitful uh, times really because not only has it been helpful to dementia resident uh, patients uh, but also, uh, you know, the people that work in dementia, they've got a tough job uh, in all kinds of ways. And um, when the weather's hot and 
when you've got a half, uh, several people who are not in the best of frames of mind at that particular time, they've really got their hands full. And I have a great admi- admiration for people who work in dementia care. Mm. But from my point of view, of course, um, m- my role has been to go around and say hello to people, you know, hello, how are you? How are you today? Uh, where do you come from? What was your work before you retired? And and the, all the you know, things that they make a very simple comment on uh, quite a few of them, although there are some, of course, who can't do any more than just shake your hand or just say hello. Uh, it varies a lot. But um, then um, I was asked uh, in one of the care homes uh, if I'd like to stay to lunch. And I, I jumped at this idea because uh, being on my own, Obviously, getting meals ready is quite a job, and um, yeah. so I'll go along and have lunch there. And um, usually, one or two of the residents uh, join me, just talking about very simple things. And maybe the ones that can share in the most are the ones who are most involved. And then, um, uh, after I had my meal, um, go around, go around them all again. You know, I go around when I begin and then have my lunch, and then I go around again afterwards and um, say thank you for my lunch and hope you have a good week. And all very, I suppose you'd say, repetitive um, little comments, but they are of value. And um, uh, it does mean that I have a chance to speak to, say, 40 or 50 people in, in that way alone in a week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, um, I feel I'm doing something that is of value, and obviously they come to expect me as well. And the second home that I go to, I nearly always go on a Friday, you see, and um, which is fish and chips. Right. And they, they pull my leg and say, he's only come for his fish and chips, you know. I mean, some of them are able to share humour as well, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so things like that. And then there's one lady who uh, is in one of the care homes. I won't say which because of privacy and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, she said, well... I only like Grimsby fish. Right. <laughs> so, but have you enjoyed your fish and chips? So, so that's what goes on. And then from the church to which I belong, we have a, called, uh, a group called Sounds Familiar, which do a kind of concert of old songs and dress up, you know, uh, in various ways, give that kind of entertainment as well. So... Uh, I'm very thankful that I'm able to be involved in that way and also uh, share with um, with the staff quite a little bit as well because a lot of the people in these homes who work there uh, are from other countries, other parts of the world, and, and they need friends as well. And uh, I think that more or less sums up my role in that way. Yeah, and that, that kind of flips us back, uh, David, um, what was going through my mind there as you were speaking around this loneliness thing. Because, you know, as the old saying goes, you can be in a room of 100 people yes. and still be totally on your own. That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah you can. So, you mm. know, what I'm picking up there is that, you know, just flipping back to what you said about the loneliness. You know, you mm. might see 50 people here and there, but there's still that acute sense of loss, isn't there? You know, yes. losing your good lady and, and living alone. And as you say, they, I suppose, and these are my words, and please challenge me on them, David, but this is my perception of the vulnerability and the fear yes. that creeps in more as, as you get older. It does, and, 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 and you, you get a lot of phobias too. I mean, mm. I found this after um, my first operation and uh, losing Pauline and very quickly having a, a bladder cancer afterwards. I, I found myself um, 
imagining, shall I say, the worst. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and you, I mean, this is true of all people that, that have uh, a, a trauma. All kinds of things come into the, into the formula. Uh, phobias of all kinds are very common with people in the early stages of, of, of stress yeah. after uh, something that's tra- tra- tragic that's happened. Mm. Obviously, my wife died very suddenly, and uh, so that added to the the pressure on me, as it were, leaving me very disoriented for a time. But um, I suppose, in part, my role, still as a clergy, as a, a minister, um, a lot of people could see that in the churches, and so they were giving me support as well. Yeah, and uh, and really, this whole business of caring for others is a two way thing. It is for our, for the benefit of others, we hope, but we share what we have with others and they will share what they have with us and we will then feel that we're all part of each other. And this is what's so much needed in the world in a, on a wider scale as well. This n- There is this tremendous need for people in every part of the world to be, feel part of each other yeah. and there are always influences at work um, that are trying to divide people somehow, them, them and us, mm. and, and 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 what a job we've got to try and um, to break across this barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, now, next year I shall have celebrated sixty years of ordination. Wow. And um, my first appointment was in Coventry, at the time when Empire Windrush was. Um, mm-hmm. uh, very much in vogue and um, uh, tremendous numbers of uh, people came from the West Indies to the churches in those days full of enthusiasm yeah and um, and I remember one young uh, two young fellows one played a guitar and played these calypso hymns can you imagine this yeah, yeah. and whenever he, he had chance he'd stop and say can I play you a calypso hymn and this is in churches as well and uh, like there was one that went, forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. I'll be yours, dear Lord, and you'll be mine. If I fall and if I sin, let me rise and try again. Forgive me, Lord, and try me one more time. Wow. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's this enthusiasm, tremendous enthusiasm. We, we, they had been invited here, you know. <laughs> what a horrible mistakes some people made in the way they treated them do you know what I mean and, and still and still do and I, I must admit uh, the latest episodes on, on Windrush I, 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 I felt disgusted at the shabby way mm. in which these people were tre- have been treated you know fellow human beings yeah, yeah. fellow human beings yeah. who came here to, to help this country yeah we were they, they, they were asked if they'd come and help um I'll leave it to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could get, we could end up going down the political yeah, I, I don't want to do that. dialogue on that one. No, um, but I'm just talking about really relationship, relationships, relationships with people. Um, yeah, and they are the glue of our society, aren't they? They you are. Know, obviously, in the context of this conversation, David, we're you know we're sort of focusing on yourself and more, you know more of dare I say, if I can be allowed to say, the twilight of life. You know, as an octogenarian. Yes. Um, but yes. isn't the principle the same, really? Whether it, it we're is. young, old, black, white, you know, this, they're only labels. And isn't the reality that this fear that we've just kind of flirted with, this vulnerability, 
we've all got that. We, we have. And, and, and really, um, we have a responsibility as we are older to enc- encourage younger people of all ages uh, and, and let them sometimes encourage us. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, there's so much that is sharing uh, and not just giving. Mm. It's, it's giving and receiving that's yeah. important. And that's what, 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 what is at the root of sharing in, in life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you just mentioned the hymn there, David, and it just sparked me to, <laughs> to ask me. you, what is what would be your your say your number one favorite hymn of all time? And that's a big question, I should imagine. Well, in the year two thousand, a group of us went to Oberammergau, and um, it was a wonderful experience to go to the the, the, the Passion Play there. You know, to see all to see that that event. It it is a real spectacular um, event that's really worth seeing and and entering into. And we we stayed at a hotel uh, about 20 or 30 miles away Mm. uh, on the Austrian border. And we had a communion service amongst ourselves on on the... the, um, the veranda... Uh, um, of this um, hotel, uh, that's not the right word, really. But, uh, but, but, uh, you know, a place where you can see the wonderful view of, the, of all the mountains with snow on them and so on. Yeah. You know. And it was a lovely Sunday morning, and we were there sharing, breaking bread together, and um, and um, we sang, "Be still, for the presence of the Lord." The Holy One is here, and we got a sense of the majesty of God in the in the mountain in the mountains, and of course sharing bread and wine together, mm. you know, and the whole thing came over so strong yeah. to us all. I've never forgotten that. Right. I've got lots of favourite hymns, but yeah, that yeah. just sticks in my mind particularly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? My, yeah. my personal one is Jerusalem. I just yeah, yeah, yes. And I love to hear that song as well. You know, at some people's funeral services. Yeah, yes. yeah. And of course, I still keep fairly active in taking funerals. And yeah. well, I don't do all that many these days, but uh, yeah. But mainly people who are very elderly, of course. Uh, I, yeah. I've had two uh, centenarians this year <laughs> who I happen to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's interesting what you say about the funerals with that, David, because I've left instructions with my family that uh, that will be on the... Uh, you know, on the celebration. Yeah, yes, that's that right. That will be on, that Jerusalem will be on the celebration. Yes. Um, but anyway, so we move on, we yeah. move on. Um, you're a police chaplain as well, David. Yes. Um, yes, uh, around about the year 2000, um, uh, a woman, uh, Anglican Vickers, who was a police chaplain, said to me, David, we haven't got any Methodist ministers in the team. Will you join? And... Uh, I decided to become one of the chaplains and, and I found it a fascinating experience. Mm. And I've, I've been doing that 19 years. Wow. I'm not I'm not as active in it as I, I used to be, but I still get along to some of the stations quite regularly. Mm. And, um, um, well, the main task is a very simple one. It's one of going around the station and just saying, hello, how are you, in a way? Yeah. You know, um, there is such a lot of pressure in policing mm. at the moment that the 
hierarchy of policing for uh, I'm not using that in a, in a derogatory way but the the, 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 the the management of policing is so heavily involved in all the technicalities of getting used to modern society mm. that they sometimes find they, they haven't got the ability to relate to the people at the bottom of the pyramid as you might say yeah, yeah. And, 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 and many officers and, and civilian staff really enjoy just spending a few moments sharing with you some of the things, not, not the details, but yeah. the general ideas yeah. of what they're, they're involved in. And I, I found that again, that um, they have appreciated being asked how they're getting on. And, and it, makes me, it has made me feel, even just in a simple role like that, um, um, very much involved in sort of sharing in, in what, it, what it's all about. Mm. And from time to time, I'll put a little bit on Twitter if it's appropriate. Mm. Although, of course, I've got to watch confidentiality there. Yeah, yeah of course. But, but, um, um, but, I mean, there have been some quite major incidents as well, uh, 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 and particularly in earlier years when there was, um, uh, a woman police officer was shot and, you know, and there was the Jed Walker situation. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. And I, I remember, remember that, it, yeah. uh, you know, I was around at that time. I, I wasn't a senior chaplain, of course, but went along to the service and there was that moving moment when the procession of police up to the, uh, the, the uh, cathedral in Nottingham um, was led by the Jed's dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The picture's never left my mind, really. Yeah. And of course... He's, he's got a memorial now, hasn't he, in St. Albans Road. Yes, yes. Um, but yes, yes, I'm fully aware of that one, David. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, what's but, struck me here, David, listening hmm. to, you know, as we've kind of weaved in and out of obviously the loneliness, the cancer, the dementia care police chaplain all these experiences but for me listening to that there's been a kind of common thread in terms of your vocation and i love yeah. that word vocation because yes. i think it's a yeah. it's a very robust old-fashioned word it is kind of lost its way a little it, it, it had it, you're right you see and, and there is this slight i mean ministry is a profession as well mm. but if you emphasize the profession side you, you soon get into water that you don't want to be in. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is a, a lifelong calling, I believe. I mean, obviously, uh, people very much, uh, a great deal w- when they come to retirement, so-called retirement, we're called supernumerary ministers when we get to that point. Right. And, and there are some who stay very active, mm. uh, and there are some who um, just opt out of pretty well everything except mm. during bare essentials. Um, uh, uh, now, um, I don't believe that... Uh, a clergyman should be spending all his time in church when he retires. You know, one should be involved in all kinds of things. Uh, it isn't right just to carry on your ministry, as it were, in the church. You you, you should be involved in society, which has so many gaps, really. Mm. Where and, and if you if you if we've got a if we're in the right state of mind, we can spot these opportunities uh, to to see where we can serve people in a wider way. Yeah. And it's often by listening to what people have to say and, and responding to what they have to say and thinking of something positive we can say to them to help them along the way. Yeah. Um, and what, as I say, what struck me there, David, as we've weaved in and out of these various experiences through, uh, through your years, is there's been one common theme for me, and it's kind of wrapped up in the, in the title of speaking from our hearts because yeah. it's the healing isn't it and the yes. that goes with being able to 
Uh, and it's an ability we've all got. So yes. ability is probably not the right word. But this whole way of being, of learning to speak from our hearts, because that's what you're doing, isn't it? Wearing all these different hats, yes. different yeah. contexts, different challenges. But the one commonality, if I'm if I'm hearing this correctly, David, is the fact that you are speaking from your heart. Well, I hope so. And I try, I try and do that. I mean, sometimes we soon discover how selfish we can be in our yeah. thinking. We, we always have to come back to that one as well, yeah. watching that we're not being selfish. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And obviously that's where forgiveness comes in, you know, at a, mm. at a deep level from a Christian point of view particularly. Yeah. That, um, we, um, there are lots of other areas where forgiveness applies, but uh, a, a lot of it is, is, is our own attitudes. Our, our attitudes are so important towards other people, aren't they? And, and our sensitivity to where they are. Yeah. And, and we can miss it sometimes. And oh, Often, more, more often than not. I mean, it brings <laughs> yeah. in the, yeah. you know, I think it was Deepak Chopra said, you know, we are spiritual beings having human experiences. Yeah. And it's that kind of yin and yang, well, which one's which? Yes. You know, and that confusion. That, that's right, yes. Um, yeah, 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 and that yeah, can yeah, be very confusing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think one of the things that I'm peeling back now David, the more I'm evolving um, in, into, you know, my, my true core self, if you will, is this, and it's beyond understanding. It's because that, to me, puts it in the intellectual ballpark, and it's not intellectual. It's way beyond that, and that's why I love that word vocation, because yes. it's indefinable. It you are called. Yes. It's something inside you that says, I must do that. I yes, will do yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so for me, this speaking from our hearts thing, uh, David, is, is about having this awareness to say, and acceptance and self-forgiveness that you've alluded to, to say, do you know, I am a human being. I get things wrong. And do you know what? That that goes with the territory of being a human being. That's right. Yes, yes. yes. Now, if I could just add a, 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 a slight diversion here. Um, when I was asked to, uh, if I'd like to... Uh, be a guinea pig in a, a course at Derby University right. uh, in, um, in in pastoral care. Um, they asked me if I if I would be a guinea pig and, and, and do a doctoral doctoral study. So, um, which I completed at the age of seventy three. By the way, I started when I was sixty nine. You know, and um, but uh, the doctorate is called a doctor of religious care, right? Uh, which is a rather unusual title. I don't know whether that's of any relevance to what I'm saying now, but uh, I, I feel quite proud of that in a way. But Yeah, and I think the lesson there, David, is that, you know, and it kind of, we've flirted with this, um, you know, maybe five, ten minutes ago. It's not, you know, this age thing is really a label. Yes, it is. And, you know, the fact that, you know, at three score ten, you achieved a very, very high level academic qualification. Yes. Where most... Um, this is a generalisation, people are doing their doctorates in their early 20s maybe, you know, they've gone through the traditional A-level, a leaving yes, school, yes. three-year first degree, maybe a master's, yes. you know, and they've gone through that academic circle, haven't they, at a yeah. relatively early age. Yes, that's right, yes. I, I mean, of course, when I was younger, I had national service thrown in, of course, for mm. two years, which which was an education in itself, of course. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, that's an interesting one, David. So, where was your in in those days of national service where was your level of faith your background then well uh, my level of faith at, at that stage was uh i was still at the ta tail end of being a teenager when right 
in all probability, I saw things more in black and white than I do now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, yeah. And, um, uh, yes, my, my, my faith was important to me then. And, and, and I, I, I used to encourage people along the way of faith, even in those days, you know, in a very, uh, but, but I've never been a kind of what you might call a hot gospel or anything like that. You know, mm. it, it's just a sort of an, an encourager. If I've had something to say that's been of value to me, Mm. Uh, to people uh, and, and I think there of course we do have to be very careful the way in which we present our, ourselves to others because it's a very mixed up world at the moment the, yes. the, the religious world is uh, if I can put it that way and um, what is so important I think is that we that we make sure that we are strong on a sense of goodwill to all people this is central to our survival as a, as a, as a world. Yeah. Goodwill towards all peoples was a part of the Christmas message. And, um, and it, it, it's to be emphasised that we need to have goodwill to, between all kinds of people, whatever. Mm-hmm. People of no faith at all. Well, they say they have no faith at all. They have a faith of a sort, but it's not how we describe faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think from my own understanding and experience and certainly having spoken to countless people around the world, David, uh, you know, not only through my podcast, but through other um, channels. And it's this, there is, there's this all time sort of confusion, fear, um, despair around. And I've certainly never, you know, I've never been aware of it. Maybe my level of awareness has increased to a stage that, now I am becoming aware of what's really going off in the world, whereas before it may have been there, but I wasn't aware. I don't think that's the case based on the people I'm speaking to. But the constant message now is we've had enough. This way of living, this desperate, dark way of living, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got to stop yeah, yeah. because there is no, there's, no, there's nothing in it other than dark desperation. You're quite right. You're quite right. And, and, and there's another thing I've tried to do, Paul, that... Um, uh, started a very long time ago. I try and remember people in special need whenever I can at 12 o'clock every day. Mm. I've done this for 40 or 50 years. I don't remember every day, and sometimes it is convenient to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I mean, some people who are very ill, I'll say, well, I remember you at 12 o'clock. And uh, um, some pressing issue like Grenfell, you know, the disaster, mm. uh, all kinds of things can c- come into this sense of, at a set time, expressing the whole idea that we belong together. Yeah. And um, and I, I find a great satisfaction in doing that. Yeah. You know? We are the epitome of oneness, but I think what's happened over, over time, David, is we've been conditioned to believe that you know we're separate beings and yes. we, we focus and interest in what you said earlier on about the the selfish you know we think it's all around us yeah without do. actually understanding or accepting that it's not about us because we are yeah. part of a bigger picture big, a far bigger picture and i think it was i saw something recently from from Rumi, and, and i loved it i thought it was wow um, and I'm paraphrasing here from memory, uh, David, but it was something along the lines of um, we are not drops in the ocean. We are the ocean in drop form. Yes. I thought I was absolutely... <laughs> There's a lot in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah simple, yeah. but 
but brilliant. And I think you know, for me, this this awareness that that um, I was alluding to there, you know, to quote John Major from a few years ago, the time has come to go back to basics. Yes. You know, society's crying out. It has had enough. It really has. And yes. when I say society, I mean globally. I don't globally, just mean yeah. here in the UK, obviously, no. with the epidemic of, of knife crime and, yes. and young, yes. youngsters yes. getting stabbed yes. to death and all this yes. kind of stuff mm. that's, you know, that, that's commonplace now. And yes. obviously our cousins in America, they've got the gun crime epidemic mm. and the massacres, etc., etc. Yes, et um, yes. That just reminds me, actually, um, uh, a few weeks ago, there was an awards evening at the police uh, for the police at the Albert Hall in Nottingham here, mm. and um, uh, amongst the people I was chatting with were two um, Afro-Caribbean young fellows who were advising the police on knife crime. Right. And what a job they've got on their hands yeah. on that one. And um, I, I was presented with a certificate, by the way, a service of a, a certificate of appreciation as a, as a police chaplain, you know. So right. I felt very chuffed about that. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know whether you want to see it or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I tell you no, what, no. I'd like to do, David, by way of bringing this excellent uh, conversation to towards a a fitting conclusion. I'd like to ask you one final question, yeah. and it's this: when when you leave this this physical plane yeah what would be your legacy what would be the one overriding message that you would want to leave behind you know be that what your life stood for personally or or what you've understood to be wow this is a massive massive lesson and legacy that needs to be left what would that one my last thought be as well you mean yeah, yeah. Yes. well, your last thought or your legacy to the world yes. or your well, big lesson, whatever. That I've tried to be faithful. Okay. That uh, in a way, I'd like to be known for what good things I've, been, I've, I've tried to do. But that would be right. It isn't right. That's, what, that's not what we're here for, for other people to know what, what we've been up to, really. Mm. But... I, my great hope is that I will feel when my last moments of this life come that I have been faithful to the calling to follow God and faithful to the high ideals that Jesus gives me to follow. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, yeah. And, 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 and faithfulness, um, it's about running a straight race, as it were, you know, doing our very best along all along the way to help others, uh, to do, uh, not to damage other people as well. Mm. I mean, that's another factor. It, it is very easy for us to damage others yeah. un- unconsciously sometimes because we're so flipping self-centered, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but um, my manners of my feeling as a person of faith is that I I'd like to be known as someone who has been faithful to the way of faith. Mm. Wow. So there you have it, listeners. A very reflective, a very thoughtful, and in many ways a different episode today. So uh, my only hope is that you've enjoyed it um, as much as I have personally. And, you know, to be able to tap into the wisdom of somebody like David is, is absolutely priceless. So... You know, David, um, I can only express my gratitude for 
for sharing your your thoughts, your insights, your experience with us on this podcast episode. Oh, thank you very much indeed, Paul, for giving giving me the opportunity to share these thoughts. Uh, very much appreciated. Yeah. And so there we have it, listeners. And um, as you can probably deduce from the tone of my voice, I'm in already in somewhat of a a reflective mood, uh, but nonetheless, um, as I always finish off with, it's, it's to leave you with this thought and that no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart. That's great. That's really great, Paul. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.